Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. We are going through the Gospel of John and we're doing that kind of like almost like on a weekly basis. And so we are now up to John chapter 5 and we've seen a lot of different things throughout John. John the Apostle was, they think about 90 years old when he actually wrote this. So you can imagine the amount of reflection that comes into his writings and the revelation that he brings to us. And so last week we spoke about the man who was healed at the pool at Bethesda and what that actually meant and what took place. So we are continuing on. So a quick recap on those verses. So last, last week we found out that Jesus was actually in Jerusalem. And we know that Jerusalem was an incredibly busy city. This is a time of Passover where the city would swell in numbers. There would be lots of people, lots of animals. You can imagine food taking place. Accommodation was so scarce. And Jesus comes into the area where the Pool of Bethesda is. They've, they believe that they found it in 1888. And it is actually quite a deep pool. It's about 13 meters deep. You can actually physically swim in it. And Jesus sees this man and he finds out that this guy who's been laying by the pool, who's a layman, had been there for 38 years. That's an incredible long time to be laying there. And Jesus asked him this question, do you want to get well? I mean, the guy's been there for 38 years. He's waiting for the waters to be stirred. So he's hoping that he'll be able to be put into the water and then a miracle would take place. And he would be completely healed. Now, this was historically what took place. It was healing. They said that an angel stirred the water. We believe God to do the miraculous. And so he's laying there for 38 years, probably seen other people being healed, other people touched. And he's laying there and Jesus asks him that question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? And he says these words, I can't. I can't because I don't have anyone to pick me up and put me into the water when the water is stirred. And Jesus says to him, he says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly he's healed, completely healed, completely made whole. And it is a wonderful day. Isn't it good when God does great things in your life? Amen. I mean, good things. Can you remember the you know, the good things that God has done for you. It says, count your blessings, name them one by one. I remember when Marcelo and Claudia, when they found out that they were pregnant. That was a great day, wasn't it? That was an exciting day. I can actually remember back at a prayer meeting that we had. Listen to this, folks. We're having a prayer meeting and we're praying and, and you know what? You know, I want to get pregnant, I want to get pregnant. And Alex was there and Alex turns to Claudia and she go, he goes, two, double. And Claudia goes, oh my goodness. <laughs> and guess what? They had twin boys. There they are there, the miracle of God right there. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. It's good, isn't it? Do you remember all those little miracles that God has done for you? I remember when God healed me. 
I mean, it's amazing what God has done. This guy must have been jumping out of his boots. He's standing up. He's walking. He's carrying his mat. He's excited. It's a good day, folks. It's a good day. But there was only one problem. It was the Sabbath. It's the day when you don't do any works whatsoever. Nada. And this guy is carrying his mat. And the religious people of the day said to him, You're working on the Sabbath. Oh, be careful of religious people. Religious people. Religion kills, but the Spirit gives life. It's so important never to forget. Religion will bind up your your heart. It will lock up your mind and will stop you living life that Jesus wants to bring for you. Don't get religious. Here's the thing about religion that I want you to know. Religious people are bothered by the things that you shouldn't do. Not about the things you should do, about what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't be going to the movie theater on the weekend. Do you remember that, Esther? Don't go to the movie theater. Pastor Pavey said to me when she was growing up and she went to the movie theater as a teenager... Before the movie started, she went round the side and prayed, Oh dear Jesus, don't come back for the next two hours because I'll be out of the movie. Is that correct? (laughs) It's a little bit binding that, isn't it? (laughs) And she still prays that today. But it was the Sabbath day. So you know what the religious people did? They created 39 rules to work out what work was. 39 different rules. They took the third commandment. It says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. That was it. Some of it says, it goes on to say, you know, you work six days. On the seventh day, rest and honor God. This guy gets healed on the Sabbath. And so there's 39 different rules and regulations that the religious people have created. Let's read what takes place. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus makes six claims. He makes six claims about who he is. And this is what it says. Remember, the guy has picked up his mat. The guy has worked out that it is Jesus. He's walking. The religious people come. And so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus wasn't carrying a mat. Think about that. But Jesus empowered this guy, healed this guy to be able to pick up the mat. Ooh. We have to remember in the context of what we're reading about the Gospel of John. What is it all about? We know 
At John chapter 20, verse 31, it says this. John tells us the purpose of his writings. He says this. So these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you'll have power for life. Jesus heals this guy, and he is just out of his socks, but the Jewish leaders began harassing him because he broke the Sabbath. Wow. Jesus makes six claims about who he is. But what does that mean for us? We're living in the 21st century. We have phones that are greater than our Commodore 64 that we once had. We can travel at speed to cross the world. We can build tall buildings. We have incredible technology and medicine that goes on. But what does that mean for me, these six claims that Jesus made? The essence, the foundation of Christian faith is having a right view who Jesus Christ is. You need to have the correct view of who Jesus is. Because if you count yourself as a Christian, a believer in Him, and you do not understand who He is, then your faith will always be shallow. Oh yes, I believe. But you know what happens in life? We have challenges in our life. We have trials in our life. We have those things that really kind of like, you know, cause us to grab our breath and push forward. You know, I was talking to Lauren this morning. And I said, how are you doing? She's going, we, we were just so happy, so excited for 48 hours. We're devastated because of that challenge that's before. This is life, folks. This is the reality. This is where the rubber hits the road. If Christianity, if our faith in Christ is just like, oh, yeah, I kind of like believe it's going to be okay. If that's it, that's not enough. We need to be able to stand strong. We need to be able to, you know, have faith in him. And I said to Lauren, I just said, Lauren, just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. I have faith in you. She says, yep, we're believing for a miracle. We're standing strong. You know, how is it that you can have that overwhelming feeling of devastation and still have faith and live in that tension? It's only because Christ who is in us, greater is he that's in us that's in the world, that gives us that capacity, that ability to stand. And that's why the scripture tells us, when you've done everything to stand, you stand. You stand on the faith of who Jesus is. If we don't have a true understanding of who he is, who he claims to be, then folks, when the sea comes in, when the wind blows, when there's fire and devastation, we will fall. But our God is able to make us stand. He's able to make us stand strong and walk through that, those times that are tough. Because he said to us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He would be with us to the end. And come hell or high water, he is with me and I fear not. For the Lord, he is God. That's what we can do. Stand strong, stand strong. But we have to have a true foundation of who Jesus is. And we must apply that truth in our life in those times. 
Because there's many people here and around the world who may think, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about in life, all right? Who may say, well, he was a good teacher. He was a really smart guy. He knew how to say things. You know, the thing about the coin, whose does that belong to? Give it to him and give to God. That was really clever. You know, more blessed to give than to receive. That's, that's cl- they think Jesus is a good teacher. They might even see him as a spiritual leader. They might see him one who had great compassion for those who were, had leprosy and blind and the deaf and the lame. Oh, he's a good man. Yeah, he had the power to heal. That's good. But he's just a man. No, he's not just a man. He is the son of man and the son of God, and he is God. And if our foundation isn't anything greater than, you know, that, then we're going to have trouble. If you do not believe that you can have life in the power of his name, your life will become a drudgery. It will just be a hassle. It's just a day-to-day. Now, we all go through times of struggle and challenges, but my goodness, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And I want that abundant life. So let's look and discover the six claims that Jesus makes as he is talking to these Jewish leaders. This is an incredibly long passage of scripture, John chapter 5. You know, the words of red, in red, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And we can't cover it all in one hit, so we're just going to break it down. So remember the harassing Jesus. You healed on the Sabbath. Do you love God? You care about this and care about that. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. All he said was, my father is always working and so am I. And then they want to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. And that's where we're going to unfold this morning. Equal with God. In this portion of scripture, Jesus claims equality with God. And he he claims it in such a way That it's so important for us as we go through life that we remember these things. He claims that he is equal to God in nature. For a religious leader, they would think about God. Religious people, they think about God. You see, when we say, when we read that scripture, it says, my father, and we call God our father. To us, it's not a big deal, but to a Jew, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a huge thing. And this is what took place. If we have the correct mindset, say, just for a Jewish person at the moment, and a Jewish leader and religious people, they would think and they would talk about the nature and the character of God. Imagine all these rabbis around a circle and considering the character and the nature of God. One question which has been asked for hundreds of years by rabbis is this. 
Does God keep the Sabbath? Does he keep the law? Hundreds of years, they haven't been able to answer it. Does God keep the law? Well, the answer is yes. God does keep the law. God made the law. The law was good. Paul said the law was good. Therefore, he has to keep the law. But there's only one little problem to that. What about the Sabbath? Hmm. Does God rest on the Sabbath? Now, this is how a Jewish person thinks. They don't always give you an answer. They're always asking questions. Why is that? I don't understand. Please tell me. Does God rest on the Sabbath? Well, if we go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it said that God created the heavens and the earth and everything it is. And then God, what did he do on the seventh day? He, he rested. Oh, so God rested. Hmm. Well, if God rests and all things are held together by the power of his name and creation is still going on, isn't God still working? I mean, did anyone notice the sun this morning when you got out of bed? Did anyone notice that the birds were singing? Anyone notice that the grass was growing? <laughs> Goodness me, that stuff is alive. And God holds all these things together. Did the waves come in? But God, it says that God rested, and it's the Sabbath. He says that. So you know what these rabbis did? There was one really, really smart rabbi. His name was Ben James Cameron. And this rabbi came up with this idea. He said, I've got it. I've I, I got it worked out. He works, but he doesn't work. Oh, please explain. Now I have to read this. Let's define what work is, he said. So they came up with this idea. This guy came up with this idea. He said, if, if work is effort, then anything that we lift above our shoulders has to be considered work. So I'm working, I'm not working, I am working. I'm not working, I'm working, I'm not working. Oh, so if we lift something above our shoulders that is hard work, but if we do it here, that's light work. So, when God is working on the Sabbath, He's not working hard, He's working Light. Sounds like a good idea. And then they came up with this other one. So there's 39 of these, so I don't want to bore you to tears. But that makes sense, doesn't it? That on the Sabbath, that if we lift this from here to here, that's light work. But if we go from here to here, that's hard work. Does everyone agree? Well, don't, because that's just dumb. That's, it takes the same type of effort as that. Seriously. So this is what they said. If you have a bowl in your house, 
you can take it from one room to the other room in your house, and that's not work. But if your neighbor who's across the road is starving and you make food for them, you can't cross the road. Oh, because that's called work. And they said, well, how can we kind of like work out that? Well, because you're doing it in your own house and God's universe is his house. This is how it goes. And God never works outside his universe. Therefore, when he does stuff, he does light work and he never works outside his universe. Therefore, God rests and he works. Now, doesn't that make no sense whatsoever? But that's what religion will do. But Jesus, when he said, my father, he is claiming the same nature. He says, my father is working. That word, work, is a present infinitive tense. In other words, it's continual. He says, when my father is working, he can work in this universe. He can work in that universe. He can work on the outside of the universe. He doesn't even have to have a universe because he is God. So when Jesus came and he healed that man on the Sabbath, what Jesus is saying is, my father, I am God. I am the son of God. I have the same nature and character as God. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says this concerning God. He never gets weary. He never sleeps nor slumbers. Jesus is saying, I have the same nature of God. He claims to be equal to God. And that when he said, my father is working, my father, that was just outrageous. It was just too much. Do you believe that God is equal that Jesus is equal to God in nature. That God sent his son, born of a virgin woman, called the incarnation. That God embodied himself in human flesh. Why? Why did he do that? Because you see, man cannot save man. Man cannot save God. Only God can save man. And that's why he sent his son to die for you, because he loves you. And Jesus says, my father, we are the same. And my question to you this morning is, do you believe that Jesus is equal to God in nature? Not a God, as some religions say, but is God. That's why John says very clearly, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same in nature and character. Man, that was, that, honestly, that was just like putting a red flag before a bull to those religious people. So what does Jesus do? They're getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So it says this, so Jesus explained. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man can do nothing by himself. 
He does only what the Father sees him doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be astonished. He not only claims the same nature as God, but he claims the capacity to do the same works as God. I find that scripture interesting when Jesus says, greater works than these you'll see him do, the Son of Man. Didn't Jesus said, say to us, greater works than these shall you do? Because when we receive Christ, we take on his nature and his character. We become like him little bit by little bit. When Jesus says the Son can do nothing by himself, he is saying, I don't work independently. I'm not doing this by myself. I only do what the Father does. The work that the Father does is the work that the Son does. So when you see the manifestation of what the Son is doing, that's what the Father wants done. Whatever God is doing, I am doing. My Father. You see, a Jew would never call God his Father. And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, my Father loves me and reveals everything to me. There are no secrets. Can I ask you a question this morning? Can you keep a secret? I can't. You know that person around the water cooler you see on the television who just likes to tell everyone everything? Now, if you come to me and you say to me, this is confidential, it's confidential. But if it's a secret, what's the purpose of a secret? It's not to be kept, it's to be shared and to be prayed over. There were no secrets between God the Father and God the Son. There was nothing in between them that caused any confusion whatsoever. It's called perfect unity with the Father. A unity that is divine, defined by love. He says the, the Father loves the Son. And everything I do, it's what He's doing. And everything He wants done, I do it. He is claiming equal works. Not only equal in person, but equal in what he does. Do you believe that Jesus is equal in works? Now, at this time, the Jewish leaders must have been having a conniption. You know, when you get that eye twitch, you get so angry. But Jesus continues. Remember, he's making these claims. Remember what John said. John said, "I, you know, I... The purpose of writing this is so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you will have power for life. So he's un unloading for us who Jesus is. He's, he's bringing these claims, what Jesus claimed. And then he goes on and says, For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. This, it must have been hilarious sitting back watching Jesus talk to these religious people. 
He claims to be equal to God in power. He says here, For just as the Father gives the life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone. You know, there is power in giving life. But the greatest power of all is giving life to that which is dead. Giving power to life that was dead. This is the ultimate expression of power. You know, the greatest fear that man has, and women, is the fear of dying. But with Christ, there is no fear. I don't fear death. I don't want to die. I don't want to be in pain, but I don't fear death. Because I know that Jesus has the power to raise me to life again. I can imagine the religious leaders scoffing at this time. Just as the Father gives life to those who raise the Son, Jesus saying, me, he gives me power to life. They were scoffing. Who does this guy think he is? He's the Son of God. He knows who he is. Do you know who you are? You're a child of God. I can imagine them scoffing and laughing. This is chapter 5, all right? Let's just go to chapter 11. Lazarus is dead. He's dead. And Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, you could have prayed for him. And he, he would be fine. But he's dead. He's been in the tomb there for days. He stinks. The body's decaying. It's finished. It's wasting away. And Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And Martha says, yes, yes, I understand that in the last days, she had it in her brain. Yeah, yeah, I know we're going to be raised from the dead. And Jesus goes, no, you're not getting it, sister. You haven't, you haven't got it yet. If you read the scripture, it says that there are priests or religious people in this moment at this time and Jesus says roll back the stone and everyone's freaking out and he says Lazarus come forth and he gets up off the dirt and he walks out and it's oh happy day oh happy day people were going ballistic unbelievable and it says this, that those religious people, they ran, they went to the high priest to report what Jesus had done. And this is the thing that they, they said after they told them, this Jesus guy, he raised this guy from the dead. I can remember him telling us that, you know, that the son has life to raise people from the dead. I remember him saying it. Now that he's done it, they ain't scoffing no more, brothers and sisters. This is what they said. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, they should have just believed in him as the son of God, the Messiah. And everything would have been great. What are we going to do? The question is, what are you going to do? Because you see, he claims to have the same power as God. I, 
when I'm reading the scripture, I have pictures and little movies in my head. I don't know about you, about the play out of what's happening. These religious people going, and Jesus going, and then Jesus says this, in addition, (laughs) oh, and by the way, and plus, (laughs) the father judges no one. Instead, he gives the son absolute authority to judge. It's getting too much. I think if I was one of those religious people, I think I'd just have to walk away. It'd be too much, Pastor Ken. Just, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I know you would stay there and you, know, you would be strong and you'd be going, go Jesus, give it to them. You know? Have you ever been in a fight, I mean a discussion with your wife or your husband and you're losing really badly? <laughs> she said No. But when you get into those situations, you know what you just got to do, men? Just walk away. And come back and say, I'm sorry, you were right. (laughs) Humble yourself under the mighty hand of your wife and she will exalt you. Oh, that's right. Well, scripture's in my head. Sorry. Let's get back to... (laughs) Listen... In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given authority, absolute authority to judge. Oh, that would have been just unbelievable. He claims to have equal authority with God. That is authority to judge. When judgment is made in the court of law, when all the evidence is presented... If the judge is the one who makes the decision, he says, guilty, not guilty. I am so glad that Jesus is my judge and not some man. I am so glad. You know, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. He has all authority, Jesus. He is claiming equality with God. Do you believe, the question for us is, that he has all authority? Because Jesus claims the nature of God, the works, that he can do the same works as God. He has the same power as God. He has the same authority as God. And then he says this, but so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent. You know, that word honor, we don't really have a great kind of like idea about it you know, in our world today because I think it's kind of been lost. It means to esteem, to highly value, a heartfelt devotion. We express honor as believers when we worship. That's honor. We esteem you, God. We value you, God. We praise you, God. And we honor Jesus as we would honor God the Father. Jesus is not the the less. He is the same. He claims to be equal to God in honor. All these little claims are leading up to something. He makes this last claim. And it says this, I tell you the truth. In the King James Version, it says, truly, 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 or verily, 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 rather, King James Version. New King James, I think it's truly, truly, truly. 
And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. He is truth. He claims to be equal in God in truth. What he says is true. There's no falsehood. It is the way it is. When Jesus spoke to us, it's, it's better to forgive. All right? It's a greater act to forgive someone than to hang on to that thing that's killing you in your heart. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus says if, you, if you're a peacemaker, you're blessed. You know, he, he tells us how to live because his word is truth. When he says, if you believe in me, you will not perish, you'll have eternal life. That is the rock solid truth. There's a scripture, John 3, 36, it says, He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God will abide upon him. That is the truth. Oh, I don't like the truth. It is the truth. And he claims to be equal in truth. So what do all these claims mean for me? living in the 21st century, equal to God in nature, equal to God in works, in power, in authority, in honor, in truth. What he claims, I am to proclaim. What he has said, and he has ratified those truths. He fulfilled all those truths. He has made them the reality of that claim. You see, a claim is just a claim until it's been proven to be true. And he did that by rising from the dead, uh, the dead on the third day. He overcame sickness and disease. He was exalted to the right hand of the Father. He is the Son of God. And therefore, living in the 21st century, when I'm going through these challenges, when I'm going through these trials, when I'm going through stuff that I don't like, I have to be able to say, I proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God. He is same in nature. I can trust Him 100%. That He does the same works that God the Father had done. That He has the same power. He is omnipotent. He only has to speak the word and it will come about. He is the same as God to be honored, to be worshipped. In truth, He is. And when I proclaim it and I stand on that, my faith is strengthened and I trust Him 100%. We will never, ever have a Strawberry and cream life. We'll never ever have a cotton candy life. You are always going to have trouble. Don't deny the trouble. Some Christians say, oh, well, I, I don't want to say that. No. You call it what it is and then you proclaim what he, Jesus said and you stand on that. That he is the truth. That he's not going to leave me. That's how we are to live. Not in fear, but in strength. 
And John unloads these claims that Jesus makes so that we would continue to believe that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that by believing in his name, we will have life for power. I want you to stand with me this morning. Equal to God in nature, Jesus is God. Equal to God in works, Jesus can do anything. Equal to God in power, Jesus is all-powerful. Equal to God in authority, He has all authority. All authority. I come under His authority. You know, I love what Paul says. He, he said that, you know, Jesus, you know, being equal to God was not something to be grasped at. Jesus wasn't grasping the position, oh, I'm, I want to be the Son of God. No, He's just the Son of God. Equal to God in honor, He deserves all our praise. And equal to God in truth, that is what you have to proclaim when you're going through that stuff. Jesus, you are equal to God in power, in works. And I can stand strong. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of empowerment for you. And it's based upon your faith in Him. It's not based upon works that you can do or things that you give or the way that you kind of like do stuff. It's all about Him. It's not having faith in man. It's having faith in the Son of Man. Because He will bring us through. He'll never leave us. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? If you're going through something tough this morning, I want you to make that declaration, that proclamation, who Jesus is in your need. Because He is the one who can answer that. And you know, it might not be the answer that you want. But He has given you the answer that you need. That He is God. And He's with you. And He will strengthen you and empower you. Father God, this morning we come to You humbly. Lord, for a, a continual ongoing revelation of who You are. So that by it that we can live life in power. If you've never given your life completely to Jesus Christ, now is the time to do it and to confess Him as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, never prayed that from the sincerity of your heart to receive Him, just raise your hand this morning and say, I want to do that now. If you're good, that's good. But if you're not good with Him, you know you're not. And don't put it off another day, another hour, another minute. I'm just making sure everyone is good, that you love Jesus. Now, whatever you're going through at this moment, I want you to start to proclaim it. Proclaim that overcoming of who He is in that nature and character, in His works, in His power, in His authority, in His honor. In the truth. We're going to worship for a few moments. I'm just going to close in prayer now. 
then begin to lift his name up. If you're watching online, we pray God's richest blessing on you. And we pray that God will be with you as you reach out to him. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the word that you have given us. We pray, God, that we would not just be hearers only, but we would be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.